Olympic junkies. Anybody out there? You know, DVRing it and watching on the Internet and those kind of things. Yeah, it's always really an exciting time. How many have just watched just some of the Olympic coverage? Yeah, okay. All right. Anybody not watched any of the Olympic coverage? Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, there's been other years I've been totally out of it, but kind of caught up in it this past week. And, of course, we've all fallen in love uh, with Gabby Douglas, the young lady, only 16 years old. Here we see her in action who won the all-around individual gymnastics gold medal. Just a tremendous young lady. See another picture here of her. She has a very interesting story, as many of you have heard. Two years ago, really even, I'd say four years ago, she realized that if she was going to win big, at the Olympics that she was training for, is that she needed the coach that trained the gymnast who won in Beijing. And so she and her sisters tried to convince her single mother that she needed to go to Des Moines, Iowa, about 1,200 miles away from Virginia, in order to live there with a host family to train with this particular coach. Well, finally, two years later, her mom said yes. So when she was 14, she went to live with this host family in order that she might be coached uh, by Mr. Chow. And it paid off, no doubt. And the beautiful thing about it is that she's a Christ follower. And I don't know if you saw this, but right after she had won, she texted everyone and said, let all the praise and glory Go to God. And she was interviewed right away, and she said, well, all the glory goes to God. You know, you give the glory to God, and his blessings rain down upon you. That was just so inspiring to see her faith. Well, to be an Olympian takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of training. And I thought to myself... What do I want to be great at? What do you want to be great at? Maybe you want to be a great mom or dad or employee or whatever. If you want to be great at something, obviously you need to work very, very hard. You need to train for it. And you've you got to remember that the Olympics, they were born in Greece, and Paul was very aware of the Olympic Games. In fact, he used them as an example in the Scriptures. And we see maybe an allusion to it in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He writes to Timothy, Rather train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So he's saying that we, as Christ followers, should train ourselves for godliness. That is the greatness that we should pursue, not for ourselves, but in order that we might give glory to God. Now, bodily training, that's good. It's good to take care of your body, good to go to the gym, good to have the right type of diet. 
but eventually your body's going to break down no matter if you do everything right. These great Olympians are going to grow old just like the rest of us, and uh, their bodies uh, will fail them. So just for this life, that's a good thing, but in the coming life, that's not going to help you much. If you train for godliness, it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. God says, if you serve me here on earth, if you cultivate a deep relationship with me, if you honor me, if you work toward godliness or the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you in the life to come. For to this end, we toil and strive. Again, it's a sports analogy. And so you, you think about the way these Olympians live their lives and the way they train. It's all about the Olympics. They eat, they breathe, they sleep in training for the Olympics. Now, they might go to school or other things, but that's kind of a side job. <laughs> they totally give themselves over to it. And so what Paul is saying that if you want to be godly, you want to please God in the way you live. You need to be committed. You need to be disciplined. You've got to make this a top priority in your lives because we have our hope set on the living God. That's where our hope is. Not in anything in this world, but our hope should be in, in God himself, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. So, today we're going to be talking about the foundation for our training in godliness, and that is God's Word. We've been in the midst of a series entitled Cries of the Heart, and I am so thankful uh, for those who were guest teachers while I was away, uh, Bernie Tannis and Lou Petrie and the missionary John Men, and, uh, of course, Pastor Rich. I'm so thankful for Pastor Rich and his leadership uh, while I was gone, uh, just a, a tremendous gifted person who helps keep everything moving along in so many different ways, whether I'm here or not. And today I'm going to continue with this Cries of the Heart series. So you can open your Bibles up to Psalm 19. We're just going to look at uh, three verses in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, oh, it's a tremendous psalm about the word. Of God, but we don't have time to cover all of it. So let's uh, just focus in on Psalm 19, 7 through 9. It says there, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, those are three verses that are chock full of truth about Scripture. Let's just break it down for a moment here. First of all, we see six descriptions of Scripture. First, it's the law of the Lord. And it's a testimony of the Lord. It's the precepts of the Lord. It's the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and the rules of the Lord. Notice every time it's of the Lord. 
This book is of the Lord. This is what He's given to us to guide our lives. Then on top of that, there are six characteristics of Scripture. Scripture is perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. And it's true. And there are six effects of Scripture on your life. Scripture revives your soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever and it produces righteousness. Well, let's dive in here and take it verse by verse and unpack this unbelievable book that we have before us. Psalm 19.7 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. The law of the Lord. What God has asked us to do. We need to realize, of course, that God's our Creator. He knows exactly how we work. He knows how we work optimally. So basically, He's given us the manufacturer's manual here. And say, hey, if you want to be in relationship with me, if you want to live life to the fullest, know me. Know this book because this book reveals me. So the law of the Lord is perfect. Now, when you look at the word perfect in the Hebrew, it's not like perfect versus imperfect. It's perfect in the sense of complete. It's not incomplete. It's complete. We have everything we need here in order to live the, the Christian life. And, of course, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, being a child of God, the Holy Spirit is the one who takes this living document and works it into our lives. So, again, it's complete, perfect, reviving the soul. I can tell you from many, many years of following Jesus, that this book continues to revive my soul. When I expose myself to the truth in this book, it encourages me, it counsels me, it comforts me, it teaches me, it guides me, it challenges me, it convicts me. It revives my weary soul. Sometimes when I'm weary, it revives my soul. It gives me new strength, new hope, new power to take on the challenges that come my way. And aren't we thankful for that? That we have a book that God uses to revive our soul. Now, if we go through to the foundation in the New Testament and talking about the gospel, that's even another way to look at it. Because we are all born dead spiritual, spiritually. We are D-O-A. The baby that comes out is dead spiritually. Passed down to the generations from Adam. And so that soul needs to be revived. Soul means the inner person, the real you. 
And the way God does that is through His Holy Spirit. He draws you to Himself and He exposes you to the gospel of God. And through that decision to follow Christ as we celebrated during communion and your faith in Jesus Christ, once you make that decision and He comes in and you become a child of His, you are alive. Really, that's the idea of being revived. Is you're dead and now you're revived. <laughs> yeah, you're alive in Christ. And again, that's the message we want to get out as seen in Romans 10.9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? You see, the law cannot save us, right? The law, one of the purposes of the law was to show us how sinful we are and how broken we are and how there's no way we can earn our way to God. But we're saved by faith in God. Same way the people in the Old Testament were saved. They were saved by faith. The law pointed out that yeah, they're not worthy of God, but again, through the sacrifices, they put their faith in God. And when, when, I, when I reflect upon this, uh, again, I just think about all the people who are lost. This past summer, I had a chance to uh, talk to my neighbor who hadn't had a chance to meet before. Uh, neighbor down the way and so I saw him in his yard and I went over and kind of got to know him and uh, told him who I was and this guy I you never know how neighbors are going to respond right <laughs> okay get out of my life but this guy he really kind of you know he was glad that I came up and introduced myself and because we're kind of in a quirky type of area where we're kind of all spread out and so he was really glad to meet a neighbor. I said, well, we should get together and do lunch. He said, yeah, let's do that. So I hope to uh, get to know this person better and uh, show love to them and hopefully uh, shine the light of Christ in their lives and prayerfully at some point. I, I don't know where he's at spiritually, but if he doesn't know the Lord, that he would make that decision. But you see, again, that's how we need to be thinking intentionally. That's one of the missions we have. Go, go therefore and make disciples. You've got to start out there. And they're not necessarily coming here, right? Some do, but some won't, for whatever reason. So that's why we invite them out to picnics and other types of activities that maybe aren't a formal church service in order for them to get to know other Christ followers. And again, I, I just challenge all of us when it's summer. Now, this summer's been a little more challenging because it's been so hot. <laughs> It's, you know, it's inoppressive and everybody stays inside. You notice that? And you look around and there's nobody outside. Where are the kids? All that kind of stuff. Well, they're all cocooning. So it's been a little different summer. But when you see your neighbors out, you know, get out there and talk with them, engage with them, and cultivate those relationships. I know in Lake in the Hills are having block parties this week, so I'm going to be going to my block party if you have that opportunity. But friends, let, let us keep this in the forefront of our mind. And no matter what your personality might be, again, just love people. Expose yourself uh, to people who don't know the Lord and uh, uh, let them know about uh, the love of the Lord. So, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The second thing we see there in Psalm 19:7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise 
The simple. So again, the testimony of the Lord is revealed in this book. This book tells us who God is. And, and the more you know about God, and that's why we continue to study Scripture, one of the reasons, the more you know about God, not just in your head, but in your heart experientially, the more confidence you have in Him to face the daily issues uh, that you go through. So you have a confidence making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. Wisdom is skilled discernment in living. Life is a series of decisions, isn't it? We make really thousands of decisions every day. Decisions we're not even aware about. Subconsciously, we just make a decision to do something because that's the way we've always done it. And then we're aware of maybe hundreds of decisions that we might make each day. And then maybe out of those hundreds of decisions, there's maybe 10 or 20 critical decisions we make that impact kind of the direction of our life. But it's just a series of decisions. And as you get to know God's Word and as you feed on it and as you learn the truth about life, as God communicates it to you, it informs your decision-making about how you approach every aspect of your life. And, and the more you know this word and to take it in your heart, the more wise you become in making decisions. That's why uh, those people who have lived a long time and are godly are the best people to talk to because they're the wisest, because they have done this year by year by year Knowing God's Word. That's why we should have such a respect for those who are older than us and honor them and uh, listen to them and go to them uh, for counsel. Now, it makes wise as simple. What is simple? Well, in the Hebrew, the word simple means open door. So, open door. Just imagine if you went to bed last night and you just left your door open. You didn't, I, mean, I mean, you propped the screen door. Open, So, I mean, people could just walk in and out. No problem. They didn't have to touch anything. Now, if you have young children, well, that's, that's a problem, right? You know, I mean, they get up in the middle of the night, the door's open. You know, I'm heading out of here. And also, you could have people coming in maybe who would like some of your stuff or just want to kind of check the place out. I don't know. It's not good to have an open door. But... So many people, even Christ followers, have an open door in their mind. They're simple in the way that they think. I, I was thinking of uh, a friend of Lori's who doesn't attend a church here. And Lori was, my wife's a, a wonderful witness. She has a passion to reach people for the Lord. And so she was getting to know this person. And this person was a very vivacious person and uh, my wife was sharing with her about the love of the Lord and the gospel, and she was very interested in it. At the same time, she was talking to a Jehovah Witness and dialoguing with that person, and she was very excited about those ideas. And uh, I think she was dialoguing with a person, New Age, and she was very excited about that. <laughs> a simple person, right? An open door person who just says, hey, that's a great idea. Hey, that's a great idea. Yeah. No, that's not a wise way to live. You've got to close the door. That's the point here, okay? You have got to follow God's lead 
in what beliefs you let into your life. And then you need to live out those beliefs. And you've got to compare everything against Scripture. It's really mind management. A great verse is a passage in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Paul writes, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, he's talking about thought management, how we handle the different thoughts that come into our mind. Now, we, again, need to realize this is one of the things I studied uh, over vacation was spiritual warfare and the fact that Satan is alive and well. And it's interesting as you go around to different evangelical churches, uh, there's a lot of churches that don't talk about Satan because they think, well, you know, people kind of think, eh, you're talking too much about Satan. That's <laughs> not real comfortable and... It's not really PC, I would say, in a lot of churches to talk about Satan. But it's true. That, that, that really is one of the main... We have sin, and then we have Satan. <laughs> okay? <laughs> We're sinners, and then we have Satan. And, and, and Satan has, I believe, billions of demons that are working on us. And, and these demons can insert into your mind thoughts. They have that power to insert thoughts suggestions, temptations into your mind. Now, they don't control you unless you give that control over to them. But, again, they insert that thought into your mind and you have a choice what you're going to do with that thought. Now, God is much greater than Satan and you don't have to be afraid of demons or anything like that. But you need to protect yourself. You've got to put on the spiritual armor. You've got to suit up every day because Satan is always trying to insert thoughts in your mind or he's trying to create situations, and he can do that. He can create situations that will lead you into temptation. He can bring certain people into your life that will tempt you. So we've got to be aware of the spiritual war that's going on here and uh, what we're up against. But the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh. So it's not self-help books per se that's going to take Satan down, but have divine power. So what's our tool? Well, it's the sword of the Spirit, right? The only offensive tool that we have in the spiritual armor. Uh, we have divine power to destroy strongholds. That particular word is prison. Strongholds is a prison. This is what happens in our lives, is that we buy into Satan's lies. You have the world system, right? And Satan has developed the world system. You go to the checkout counter and see all the magazines. You watch the media, uh, you uh, internet, TV shows. You know, Satan's lies are continually propag- pro- propagated. And so you need to be very careful in terms of what you take into your mind because Satan can use that to lead you astray from the ground, uh, the, uh, the foundation of truth that we have in God's Word. So, so the problem is, is that maybe you grew up in a family that valued, uh, bought into the lie that life is all about stuff. It's all about status, you know, having the right type of stuff, being perceived as a successful person. And that is the prison that you are in. 
you're living out that prison. And you don't even think about it as a prison. It's like, well, this is the way you do life. This is the way my family did life. This is the way I'm doing life. This is how you enjoy life. But that's Satan's lie, and that's a prison that you're in. And you've got to break out of that prison through God's power and realize the Word of God says that is not what life is about. It's okay to enjoy accomplishing things and having stuff, but that is not the prime focus of life. Godliness is the prime focus of life. So the more you, if you grew up in like with that orientation, the more you expose yourself to God's word and let it work in your heart, the more you're going to realize that's a lie. And I've been believing it and I've been living it out in the daily decisions of my life. So in order that I might get more money or that I might uh, be promoted further on my job, not for godly reasons, but because you know, selfish reasons. So you see, we're all in prisons in that way. And as we unlock the, and the Bible gives us the key to unlock the prison doors and realize, oh, wow, I've been thinking that way and it's, yeah, I'm not thinking properly, right? So, so what do we do? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, as we get up in the morning and put our spiritual armor on, found in Ephesians 6, and as we walk throughout the day, we just need to ask for a sensitivity to what messages we're hearing uh, in whatever way it's presented. And, and does it square with Scripture? That's why we have to know this book. Does it square with God, how God intended us to live this life? And if it doesn't, we've got to close the door. But so many Christians just keep that door open and it comes in and, and it creates all types of problems and issues. Well, let's go on to the next one. So that was uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. Psalm 19.8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart or the principles of the Lord. The truths found in this book, they're right. And in the Hebrew that idea of right says is that it sets you down or sets you on the right course. That this is the right direction to go through the maze of life. The Bible will tell you the right direction to go. And what does it bring? It brings rejoicing of the heart. Rejoicing of the heart. We, we all want joy. And as you know, happiness is based on circumstances. If you want to be happy, go to Disney World, uh, go out and buy something new, uh, go out for a nice dinner. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. It's fun to be happy, right? <laughs> happiness is based on circumstances, right? The problem is when your circumstances aren't happy producing. <laughs> They're difficult. And so we want joy. And joy is based in a relationship with God. There's a lot of ways to kind of look at joy, but I was reflecting upon this and I'm saying, okay, if I want joy in my life, first of all, I need the truth found here. This is where I start, the truth of God's Word. And then I grow in my confidence in trusting God on a daily basis in applying that truth to my life. So I put my trust in God, in God's sovereignty, in God's goodness. Because if you're going through a rough time right now, if you came this morning and you're just, you know, uh, 
am I going to go through another week? Am I going to meet the bills? I'm out of a job. Uh, went through a divorce. There's so many different things that people are struggling with right now. Uh, you can think God is against me. And that's a lie from Satan, right? You have to, you have to believe in the sovereignty of God's goodness. That God wants the best for you. And that is really hard to do when you're hurting. It really is hard to do. But you've got to grow in that. Because if you're really trusting in God and you've given your life to God and, and things don't go well in your life, uh, you've you got to continue to trust Him. That He's in control and that He's going to help you and that He's going to form you and shape you through the cauldrons uh, that you experience and, and what comes with that is peace and satisfaction, a deep satisfaction that isn't, you know, affected by the storms in our life. When the, the boat starts to, to rock and we feel uneasy and we don't have that same sense of comfort. But it's that idea of building that confidence in God that God is for me. And that I, I am trusting in Him. And, and that gives me a deep peace and confidence and satisfaction deep down inside no matter what is happening in my life. And, and this only comes through daily training. But when we watch the Olympics and we see, you know, Michael Phelps. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if he's won a gold medal since uh, yesterday afternoon. <laughs> he won another gold uh, around 2 o'clock, I think, our time. And so, uh, yeah, 18 gold medals, 22 total, probably never will be matched in our lifetime, and, and maybe never. It's just incredible. And I saw an interview with him on 60 Minutes, and just the regime. I mean, again, everything is about training every day and every day. And we know that he kind of, uh, went through some difficult times there, and certainly they were sinful. But to a certain degree, I can realize why he might fall into that sin just because of the nature of the life he was living. He was just so consumed uh, with wanting this one thing and uh, putting all of his energy and efforts toward it. Uh, so you look at an Olympic athlete. And how they train. And then we see Michael Phelps, after all this training, come and just do incredible things. Now, how does he do incredible things? Because he's working on it day in and day out. He's practicing. And, and friends, if we want to be strong spiritually, but we just can't kind of you know go along in life and show up for a service here or there and... Uh, and then when all of a sudden a storm comes up in our lives, oh, Lord, help me. And the Lord will help you, but you're not going to have the confidence in God that you need. Because confidence in God is something that matures and develops as you continue to walk with Him day by day. As you cultivate that relationship, as you learn the truth of Scripture. And as the time goes by, you just have a deep confidence in God. When you talk about truly being a deep, mature Christian, it's because... On a daily basis, you have lived out these principles. Uh, you've been put through the fires. And you know in your heart, without a doubt, that God 
has his best in mind for you, no matter what happens. But, but it's only when you do the daily work, the daily disciplines, disciplines of prayer, uh, Bible, study, reading, memorization, meditation, journaling, fasting, uh, community with other believers, all these different things that we talk about. It's only when you're doing all those different things that when the storm comes, you're ready to uh, respond in a supernatural way. Because, again, all the training, all, all these extra spiritual disciplines we're doing are preparing us for the real challenges in life. It's just like an Olympian. They go through all that drudgery, and it's not fun to train, right? Who wants to train? But they do it, and that helps them to perform at an unbelievably high level. Now, uh, in order to make this happen, uh, you've got to spend time. Uh, with the Lord. Now, we, we talk about the daily office, uh, just taking uh, 10 to 20 minutes, whatever God leads you to, just a day, and making that happen, and, and putting a priority on that, and uh, our, memorizing God's Word. Our July memory verse uh, was, I have stored up my word your word in my heart, or hidden your word in other translations in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, how many knew that verse already? Many of you grown up in church and things like that. Anybody learned that verse for the first time uh, this month? Okay, took the initiative to do that. Anybody try to memorize that verse this month? Okay, good. Yeah. Now, again, I wasn't around to remind you, so I won't hold you too much accountable. Uh, anybody meditate on that verse? Uh, okay. Well, that's what we want to do with these memory verses. Okay. Now, again, I had one lady come up to me, and she just said, Dan, I tried to memorize it, but I just can't. <laughs> and I really believe she did. So I've changed it now. I would like you to try to memorize it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Some of our minds just are too fried, right, for whatever reason. So, you know, from now on, I'm just saying, did you try to memorize it? That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> but I certainly want you to meditate on the verse. Okay, and remember the SOAP and acronym? Uh, I think that's maybe too slow. Yeah, uh, again, uh, Richard reminded me of this. Uh, scrub that passage. So, again, write this down as a good way to do in your daily office. Is just you know, take any of the passages that we're, we're studying here that really speak to you and scrub it down. And that is, to, you know, it's Scripture. You take a passage of Scripture you make observations about the passage. You just kind of study it and you look at it and you think about the passage and study related verses around it, whatever. And then you apply it to your life. You ask, Lord, how can this make a difference in my life? And then you pray. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but that's an easy one to remember. It's just every day take a different passage and uh, scrub it down. So uh, the memory verse for August is Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. Uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light uh, to my path. Uh, <clears throat> flashlights uh, come in very handy. Uh, I know you guys all have flashlights at your house. And in a moment, I'm going to show you uh, why they come in handy. All right. There we go. All right. Now, this is what happened at our house yesterday at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. The lights went out. Our whole block went on. Anybody else? Uh, okay, we got quite a few out there. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a big storm, right? 
I don't know, 240,000 people across the Chicagoland area. And so we waited and we waited. We're still waiting. <laughs> and so it was an interesting night. So I got home from church and uh, it was dark. And so I took out uh, my flashlight. And it's interesting, you know, as you walk throughout your house, you just kind of go around your house, right? So I'm like, no big deal. I'm doing my stuff. And, but when there's no electricity, it's like a mystery house. It's <laughs> Where where are things? <laughs> You're walking around like this, going, "What is going on?" You know, and and, and you, I keep going to rooms trying to turn on the lights. <laughs> I mean, I know there's no electricity, but I'm such a creature of habit. You know, I walk into the bathroom. No, that's right, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, I only have this stupid little flashlight to guide me around, and it's incredibly frustrating. Well, friends, what this verse says again is uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, now, one, of the, one, one application of this is that we are Christ followers and we have the light of Christ. And, and he lights up our lives. And, and we can see life in a totally different way. But there are times in our life, and so we can operate in our houses like we usually do, but sometimes when you're going through a storm, all the lights go out. And you're wondering, God, what am I doing? So what does a flashlight do? Well, it doesn't illuminate the whole house. It just right, illuminates your next step, right? Or the next point where you want to go. And, and some of you are there right now. It's totally dark in your life, and you're overwhelmed, and you're saying, God, guide me. And this is a great verse to meditate upon. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So a lamp to my feet. So it's just talking about somebody, again, walking uh, with... Uh, some type of uh, flame, uh, and again, just one step at a time. You can't see much off in the future, but you're trusting in God's sovereignty. So I really encourage you to meditate and uh, memorize this verse and realize that uh, God guides us even when it's totally dark. All right, we can put our lights back on again. Let's go to Psalm 19.8. Uh, the commandment of the Lord. Now it's talking about commandments, so we're talking about authority. Changes a little bit here. Is pure. That means it's clear. It's lucid. Enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. There's something about Scripture. And even though you've read a particular verse time after time after time, God always has a new meaning for it. And that's because the Holy Spirit is using it as a tool, as we see in Hebrews 4, 12. But the Word of God is living and active. This is the only living book we have. Okay? In the library, you have a bunch of dead books. But this one is alive to the Holy Spirit, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and the discerning of thoughts and the intentions of heart. So the idea is as you, as you open your heart and mind to Scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks to you about different issues in your life. It encourages you, comforts you, convicts you, uh, corrects you in your thinking. But you've got to expose yourself to it. And that's why we encourage you to spend that daily time uh, with Jesus. Because, you see, if we don't do this, we become muddy in our thinking. And the world tries to convince us of things. Just a recent uh, thing that took place, uh, Chick-fil-A, of course, has been through some challenges. There's Dan Cathy, the COO, uh, and he came out with this particular statement or was interviewed he says, I think we're inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you 
This is what constitutes a marriage. And I pray God's mercy in our generation that such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to try to redefine what marriage is about. Oh, man, that created a firestorm, right? Oh, wow. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, they had a Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day, those who believe in uh, a marriage of a man and a woman, what the Bible defines it as. And so uh, I think that happened on Thursday. And thousands and thousands of people showed up at Chick-fil-A around uh, the country. And uh, then the, the gays and lesbians, the next day, they had a kissin'. And here you see a picture of a pastor, Sarah Hal Halverson. And this is her secretary. I don't think she's gay. Uh, but she just wanted to stand and support the United Church of Christ. And you know, they welcome, uh, they say, it's okay to be homosexual. Come to our church. Our doors are open to anybody. Well, that's the open door, right? It's like, hey, whatever you believe, come on in, right? Uh, so she goes on to say this. She says, it's heartbreakingly sad to see people using the Bible and Christian rhetoric to make people feel like they don't belong in God's house. Well, there's a lot of things wrong with that statement. We're not going to take it apart. But, you know, we never say a person who is a homosexual, practicing homosexual, is not welcome here at Springbrook. No, we want everyone to come, no matter what sin they might be struggling with. The Bible is clear and lucid about homosexuality. It is a sin. And many times people, uh, because I think primarily through nurture, uh, sometimes have homosexual desires. And some of the most difficult situations are Christians who have homosexual desires, but, you know, they know they can't fulfill them. And they just obey the Lord. And again, for those of you who know gay and lesbians, just you love them, you care for them, you have to speak truth to them if they ask you about what the Bible teaches. But that God is a full of grace and that God can heal them. And uh, that's what we want to communicate. Uh, and uh, I know, uh, well, we've got a Chick-fil-A opening up uh, in Crystal Lake this week, Thursday. Like my son's working there, uh, Wesley. Yeah, so it's Appreciation Day. I know uh, Dick's brother uh, works. Uh, he's a manager at a Chick-fil-A. And uh, so uh, let's support Chick-fil-A because uh, they're standing up for marriage. Uh, so, uh, the, again, my point here is is that we can buy into the what the world is. A lot of Christians think this way, Christ followers. They think, well, what's the big deal, you know? I mean, let them, I mean, if God made them that way, and I don't think that's the case. If God, if God made them that way, let them just let, live and let live. That's not what the Word of God says. This is truth. And our world wants to you know, throw truth out the window. So we have to stand for what uh, God uh, teaches. All right, well, let's move on here. Uh, Psalm 19.9. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clean. Now, the fear of the Lord, that describes Scripture because when we understand who God is, we have a healthy respect for Him. It's clean, flawless, unstained, corrupt, enduring forever. God's Word is just so powerful. So many people have tried to stamp it out, to destroy it, and it just keeps on keeping on, right? Because God's behind it. I was at a Marriott Hotel over my vacation, and I opened up the drawer, and there was a Book of Mormon. Well, that's a dead book. That's a book full of false teachings. 
And that's a book that's leading people away from Jesus Christ. Now, as you know, most hotels, they have Gideon Bibles, the strong ministry of the Gideons. And you have heard stories, right, about people who have gone into a hotel and they really haven't had a lot of exposure, per se, uh, to, I mean, they've had, God, God is always working in their hearts, but their story is they, they sat down and they, they read this Gideon Bible and they became a Christ follower right there on the spot without anybody telling them, explaining it to them, encouraging them. <laughs> I mean, that's the power of God's Word, and it will endure forever to the very end of the age. That, that's a pretty powerful book, isn't it, that we're working with. Uh, Psalm 19.9, the rules of the Lord are true. Uh, they're true and righteous altogether. So the idea is that as we, as we saturate our lives with the Word of God, it's going to bring the righteousness that God desires. Psalm 189, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You might not be able to memorize it, but everybody can meditate on it, right? So you be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation on God's Word. Gabby Douglas, I was reading another article on her, and the coaches really didn't think that she could do it because she didn't have the mental tenacity. Well, she's only 16. <laughs> I don't have the mental tenacity, right? Uh, but you know what she said she did to make improvements? She said she meditated on God's Word to deal with the pressures and the challenges. Here's a 16-year-old girl who's doing the right thing when you face challenges in life. So if Gabby Douglas is doing that, and God, I believe God's hand was upon Gabby Douglas, and he gave her that gold for many different reasons, and one of the reasons was at this very moment, as I'm sure other pastors are doing around the country, it's saying, hey, if an Olympian needs to meditate on God's Word in order to achieve uh, wonderful things for God, how about us? Okay? How about the challenges that we face? If you're, if you're facing a challenge this week, I encourage you to take this sheet home. I encourage everybody to take our insert home of these verses and meditate. Scrub, scrub down one of these verses. Meditate upon it and let God speak to you through it or other verses that might be of comfort or encouragement to you. And you know, Gabby Douglas, Psalm 1914, this is uh, the end of the psalm. I let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, I think that's true of Gabby Douglas. The words of her mouth certainly have proven out that she uh, gives the glory to God. And the meditation of her heart, she spoke about that. And uh, this week, Gabby Douglas is an inspiration to me as, uh, as a Christ follower. In fact, someone asked her, well, what advice do you give? Uh, to other people. She says, keep God number one in your life. Keep Him first and only be guided by Him. What are some next steps we can take? We always want to move on to what we can do this week to grow closer to Jesus. Uh, again, if you take out your communication slip, you just rip it off. We'd like everybody to do that on a weekly basis uh, so we can minister to you better. Just rip that off. And fill out the name, uh, names of the adults who are here. If you're a regular attender, if you're a guest with us, 
Uh, you can fill out the rest of the information and uh, anything else. But there's numbers under the name, and uh, you can circle any numbers that might be appropriate. I'll meditate on or seek to memorize Psalm 119.105. I'll take the Summer Daily Office Challenge. Uh, again, on a daily basis, spending time with God, our daily bread. You can go there if you don't have anything else to uh, look at devotionally. I'll meditate on the verses from this message in my daily office. I'll pray about how I can step up ministry involvement. I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You could have sat through this message and say, well, I don't really get it. Well, we want you to get it. We want you to understand what it means to know Jesus Christ personally. Please come to our prayer room after the service. Uh, they'd love to pray for you about any particular issues you're going through, and especially if you want to know Jesus. All right? We're going to have our ushers come forward. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. Ah, just studying through this passage myself has increased my confidence in the book that I hold. And Lord, I pray that we would read, memorize, meditate, and take ownership of this book in our daily lives. In Christ's name, amen.